And I want to try to challenge you this morning and charge you with a call to come into God's kingdom. I don't mean that I'm asking you to be saved. I would hope and trust that you are saved, that you know the Lord. And if you're not, I, want to, I would charge you to come and believe the Lord as your, as your Savior. But, but this morning, I want to speak to those of you that are saved, uh, some of you that are in Bible college training and preparing. And I want, to, I want to charge you. I want to challenge you. I want to invite you into the kingdom work that God has for each one of us. Because irregardless of how much we'll be able to accomplish for Him in this life, there's a greater work yet to happen. Lately, I've been trying to challenge my church that heaven, heaven is not a cloud with a harp and a glass of tea and you just sit up there on this cloud for all of eternity uh, chilling out. That's not what heaven is about. In fact, long before we get to eternity, there is a millennial reign where God is going to give us something to do in one of those kingdom parables he said, uh, speaking of the ki- coming kingdom, he said, it's like a man who went on his journey and he trusted his servant with pounds. He gave to this servant this many and this servant this many. And, and when he came back, the first servant said, Lord, uh, you gave me this, you've entrusted me with this wealth and I've gained thee more. And the master said, him, well done now, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will make thee ruler over 10 cities. I challenge you to think about what that means. What cities is Christ talking about? What responsibilities was he about to put into this man who had been faithful and to the one who only, uh, who did nothing with the the talent, the pound that the Lord gave him. He did nothing with it but buried it in the earth. You foolish and slothful servant. He didn't say he was sending him to hell. He said though that he would appoint him his portion with the wicked. Someday we're coming back, we're going to rule as the angels over people. And God's going to entrust us, hopefully, with much because we've been faithful with what He's given us. And I want to challenge you and charge you to come in and and get involved in the kingdom of God. We're in Matthew chapter 6, and uh, right at verse uh, 25 is where we want to be. And I'm going to ask you to stand out of respect to the reading of God's Word. We're going to read this text. I'll preach to you for a little bit this morning. Hopefully put a challenge and a burn in your heart to do something for God while there's time. But let's consider this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? And... Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or uh, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Notice this statement in verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's read that verse 33 together and then we'll pray. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, 
and all these things shall be added unto you. Father, we come before you this morning in the chapel hour as we take some time and focus in your word. Lord, I pray that you'd feed us with bread of heaven till we want no more. I pray that you'd fill me with your power. Let me preach with boldness. Give me utterance as I speak to these young people. And God, I pray that you would stir them up to what they're seeking for. Lord, if they're looking for nothing, they'll find it. God, if they're looking for the wrong thing, they'll find that as well. But I'm confident this morning that they'll seek after the kingdom of God in your righteousness, that they'll end their life with rejoicing and joy, full of glory. And so, God, I pray this morning that you would uh, challenge all of us, stir my heart again. Lord, let me be, be confident that I'm seeking after your kingdom and your righteousness. And those areas that we might find this morning where we've misappropriated our attention and our focus, I pray you direct us back again to that. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Christ, of course, is on the Sermon on the Mount. You know that. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 uh, deal with the Sermon on the Mount. But in this portion of Christ's sermon, he begins to direct the, the, the attention of those who are hearing him to seek first the kingdom of God. I've entitled our message this morning, First the Kingdom. First the Kingdom. And I want to challenge you this morning that your first and foremost focus as you're going through your school day is the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. First, the kingdom. What are you focused on? What is it that you're looking for out of life? What is it that you hope to accomplish with your life? In the academy, you may be looking forward to life and wondering how God might use you. Maybe he's, he'll set some burden in your heart and give you some charge or some challenge. And, and I know that we often think of that as a call to ministry. And praise God for those of you who are here today that God has called you into ministry. You ought to focus on that. You ought to seek on that with a laser focus. And don't be turned away from your call to ministry, whether that's pastoring or being a missionary or, or being an evangelist. Don't lose sight of that call that God's given you. That is a precious gift if God's called you. But many times we attribute uh, doing God's will in doing the call of God in some preaching business or some full-time ministry. But can I tell you that whether God's called you to preaching or to pastoring, or to evangelism, or to a professional work, whether that be uh, to be a lawyer, or a businessman, or to, or to just be a, a good employee, that, 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 that call that God has given you, you can seek God's kingdom in all of those things. I could not serve God and fulfill the call of God in my life at the capacity I am today without some godly businessmen who fund and who work and who labor and are just the normal people in the church. They show up on Sunday morning. They show up on Saturday to go soul winning. They do the ministries of the church. They are the ushers. They are the deacons. They are the godly men who just work a normal job and then fund the work of God and support their preacher. And our churches need those kind of people as well called into the kingdom. Praise God for the preachers, but we can't all be the preachers. Somebody's got to sit in the pew. Praise God for the missionaries, but we can't all be missionaries. There's got to be somebody the missionary reaches. Praise God for the evangelists, but we can't all be evangelists. The evangelist has to have a church to show up to where faithful, godly people have given their hearts primarily to the kingdom of God. Can I just say it in this way, especially to the academy? Can I just say it this way? If God chooses to use you in the secular world, do not neglect the necessity of seeking God's kingdom first. If he'll have you be a faithful businessman who just shows up to work and does the work of God, just the basic level ministry in the church, do not negate the importance of the kingdom of God first. Don't say in your heart that I'm just going to make money and be a, a successful businessman. 
Do not seek after those things that are of temporal value, but rather we utilize them as a tool to how do I further the kingdom of God? The kingdom first, and that's true for you in the college as well. Maybe here today and God hasn't yet called you. Maybe God will not call you to full-time Christian ministry, yet He has called you to the kingdom. And your passion ought to be as fervent, as zealous, as driven as those boys who feel God has called them into the ministry. And we don't know when God might call a young man into ministry. I, I was called at nine years old. I think that's probably a rare example that at nine a young man would feel God has called me into the pastorate. Uh, I surrendered sometime around 15, 14 years old. I surrendered that God would use me as a missionary. Uh, I, I didn't know what, what God intended, but I knew that God was working in my heart. And, and when I surrendered in the ministry, he reaffirmed that it was his desire for me to be a pastor. Uh, and and, and that, that's, that's all up to God. But we all ought to be surrendered, amen. We all ought to, we all ought to hit that point of surrender. God, you use me however. And what if God calls you to go to some, go to some uh, uh, community college and train and prepare to be a professional in the professional world? That, that doesn't negate the importance of the kingdom of God. I want to charge you this morning that you focus on the kingdom. You know, you could be, you could be a young man here today called into the ministry with a laser focus to be a preacher, a missionary, an evangelist, and yet not be focused on the kingdom. Well, I know God's called me into the ministry. Praise God for that call. But you might be distracted in what you're seeking after. It's a great time, I know. Great opportunity for you to potentially find your life's mate, a spouse in Bible college. That'd be a great thing. But that's not your focus if you really love God. Hello. Young ladies. Well, I just want to... Get my MRS degree while I'm here, right? I just want to find a man to marry. That's what I'm here for. Uh, you, you, might, you might be shocked that the very thing you desire and want the most could be the worst curse in your life. If not the kingdom first. If not the kingdom first, you can find a spouse. Well, that's not some difficult thing. There are websites designed to bring people together all across the world. There are plenty of foreigners that would love to marry you to become an American. I mean, just the objective of getting a spouse is not a difficult thing. But you get a hold of the wrong thing and you might be surprised that the very thing you are seeking after will be the thing you'll long to be rid of. If not the kingdom first. And what's great about God is that when you focus on His kingdom, all those things that are necessary, I think marriage is a good thing. God came up with it. I think it's a wonderful thing. But it ought not be our objective. It ought not be our focus. And when we get turned aside, and all we can do is look for money or clothes or position or, or, or praise or accolades from man, when we get distracted and we're no longer seeking after the kingdom we are setting ourselves up for destruction. The prodigal son came to his father one day and he said, Father, give to me that which befalleth me. I want my inheritance now. And the Bible says, not many days hence, he went unto a far country. You ever ask yourself why he didn't go to town? Were there not fun times in town? 
But eventually he wasted his substance. That's what the word prodigal means. It means to be wasteful, not to be resourceful. He eventually wasted his substance, according to testimony, on riotous living harlots and alcohol. That's what he wasted his money on. Until he had nothing. Could he not have done that in town? Why do you have to go to a far country to do that? Because he was looking for something. He was chasing a pipe dream, as we may call it today. Something the world had promised him he could get, but he never attained unto it. He never found what he was looking for. Can I tell you, when you start to seek after what this world promises to offer, you will never find it. That next new gadget, once you find it, you'll find it's not as exciting as you thought it was going to be. That next great possession, that next great position, that next great level of wealth to attain unto, you'll find that it never satisfies. Somebody just told me the other day that there was a quote from Michael Jordan that he said, I've done all this in my life. I've accomplished this and these championship rings and all these things, but there's something missing and I can't figure out what it is. Could you imagine being that accomplished in the world and feeling hollow on the inside? Can I tell you that you can do that right here at Fairhaven Baptist College? You can seek for the wrong thing and be empty and hollow on the, raw, on the inside, not really knowing what God's objective is for you. Because the focus of every Christian ought to be the kingdom of God first. Not relationships, not possessions, not money, not clothes, not what people think about me, not positions, but God's kingdom first. So that prodigal came to the end of himself. Samson was a man that the Bible lists as in the hall of faith. So I'm not going to be too harsh on him because he's attained a level that I have not yet. God didn't mention me in the Bible by name. God mentioned Samson by, by name in the Bible. But I think we could all admit, knowing Samson's story, that he had a problem with sexuality. One of the great faults and one of the failures of Samson was his objective and what he longed to get. Maybe in all that great strength, God gave him an extra dose of testosterone. I don't know what his problem was, but he had a woman problem. There's no doubt about it. And it eventually became the demise of Samson. It was a woman, a harlot nonetheless, that eventually cut his hair and released him unto the Philistines. And they put out his eyes and made him grind wheat. And there is Samson. Look at him in his humiliated pitiful state and wonder how has this mighty man of faith with greater strength than any man's ever had come to this state and you can answer that by saying he was looking for the wrong thing what did he say to his parents when he found that girl from philistine from timnah get her for me for she pleaseth me well was he seeking the kingdom of god at that point no oh he was seeking for something All of that testosterone and adrenaline built up in him and he saw that beautiful girl and said, that is what I'm looking for. Now watch him at the end of his life and see what he doesn't have. He doesn't have his honor. He doesn't have his purity. He doesn't have his eyes. He doesn't have his hair, which is an object of his submission to God in his Nazarite vow. And eventually he doesn't have his life. Why? Well, because he wasn't seeking for the right thing. Could life have been different for Samson? Absolutely. Could he have accomplished all that God intended for him to do against the Philistines without being immoral, without seeking for the wrong thing? Absolutely. And so can you. So can you accomplish what God intends for you. He said, I know my thoughts towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. I've got big plans for you. But it's going to have to be your desire to seek after the kingdom. Ask your heart today. What is it you're really looking for? And, and college, 
I don't mean to scare the staff here, but if you're in college and you're not seeking to further the kingdom of God, what are you doing? You're going to waste this time and this money for position, prestige, for a name, for a spouse? What's your objective for being here? Academy, I know, like, you, you're a minor. You're kind of doing what your parents are telling you. You've got to do what you're doing, you know? You're just kind of stuck in this role right now. It's not like you're making a major choice to be here per se. But if what you're doing today isn't for the kingdom of God, if your objective is not about Christ and His name and His honor and His kingdom, then what are you doing? Why waste your parents' resources? Why waste the talent of these teachers and this, this, this educational facility? Why waste it if all you're going to do is look for something God never intended for you to have that way? How about the rich young ruler? I mean, interesting, isn't it, that he approached Christ about being saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's not a wrong thing to pursue, is it? But in all reality, his heart was not pursuing the kingdom of God, the glory and the honor of God, the service of God. His heart was pursuing, how do I make, how do I make preparations for myself? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to put on in eternity? And he was trying to, he had made preparations for himself for the temporal and found that empty and hollow and began to make preparations for eternity. How am I going to provide for myself? But his focus was not the kingdom. And he walks away sorrowing. And if, if the Bible, if that's, what, and that's where the scripture leaves us with him, some people suspect he may have been other Bible characters that later on got things straightened out. I don't know whether that's true or not, but if the Bible is true the way it talks about him, he walked away from Christ and went out into, into a godless eternity because he was seeking for something that was not the kingdom. Even though he was looking for eternal security, he was not seeking the kingdom of God. There are many good things you could seek after that are not the kingdom. And when you get yourself focused on a secondary instead of the primary thing, you are leading yourself into destruction. As the Pharisee stood by that pillar in the temple and began to brag on how wonderful he was. Well, I fast twice a week. I give alms to the poor. I pray. I'm not like this publican over here. And I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm doing lots of good things. You tell me what was it he was seeking after. The praise and honor of man, but not the kingdom of God. See, when you seek after the kingdom of God, you don't have to tell people how much time you spend in your devotions. You don't have to brag on how righteous you are. You trust that God will make up all the good for that. You believe that the Lord himself will reward you because you've sought his kingdom and his kingdom first. And Christ is trying to teach us here on the Sermon on the Mount, quit getting distracted with what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to drink and what clothes I'm going to put on and how am I going to provide for myself temporally, physically? How am I going to obtain this and get that and get a hold of these things? So I have a, I have a bird dog and uh, I, like to, I like to hunt with him. And the one day we were hunting and uh, we put up a grouse and uh, at, per usual, I missed the grouse, and it went down over the mountain, and we began to coast down, and so we started working down off this mountainside to go see if we could pick that grouse back up and flush it again, and as, as, I, as I crested that mountain, I looked way down in the valley, and there was my dog, and he was working out into the field in front of me, and then I saw him start rolling around on the ground. He's going crazy. I mean, he was out of his mind, 
I thought, good night, what did he get into? And I thought, well, it was down by a creek. I thought he must have stepped in somebody's trap, you know, and he's got it in his leg. I could see it up by his face. He's rolling. I thought, what is going on with that dog? When I got down there, he had found a porcupine, and he had hundreds of quills all through his face. I mean, up his ear was stuck to his head, and down in his mouth he had porcupine quills. I don't know if you've ever seen a porcupine quill, but they have little barbs on the end of them, and when you move, they actually, they actually drive deeper on their own. And as he would move, it looked like worms crawling into his body as those quills dug deeper and deeper into his body. And I, he was out of his mind. I couldn't control him. I got my lead, and I, I tied him to a tree, held him down. And thankfully, I had a little pair of forceps pliers in my hunting vest with a little medical kit. I pulled that out, and I just, just trying to get enough to where he could breathe, pull enough of those quills out so we could get him back to the truck and get some care for him. It was an awful experience. It was bloody. It was messy. It was terrible. You know what that dog saw, thought when he first saw that porcupine? He thought, this is going to be a riot. I am going to bite that thing. And you could have not convinced that dog that he does not want to bite that porcupine. I mean, all he wants to do is sink his teeth into it till he did. Can I tell you, some of you, some of you college kids here today have got your eyes on something, and all you can think about is sinking your teeth into that, getting a hold of that, and that will, it'll be so fulfilling in my life when I can get to that point. And buddy, when you get a hold of it, you might, you might find out it's a whole other world than you thought it was. And here's Christ standing on the mount saying, no, 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 no. Don't even worry about that. Look to me. Seek my kingdom first. Put your focus on what is important. I'll take care of all that. You don't have to worry about it. I'll act. Look what he says here in the passage. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And watch this. And all these things shall be added unto you. Young ladies in the academy, you know what the devil will try to convince you? If you give your life to God, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out all this good stuff that you could have. You know, God never intended to take all the good stuff away from you. He intends to give it to you. To add it to you without your effort. You won't even have to work for it in that sense. Your work will be for the kingdom of God. And because you're laboring for the kingdom of God, he is a good master, will add to you all the things that you need in your life. Young man in the academy, you know what the devil's trying to convince you? That if you really give your heart to God, if you go whole, I mean whole hog for God, and you give it all to Jesus, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on all the fun, all the games, all the entertainment, all the pleasure the world has to offer. And, and, and if you believe the devil, I guarantee you, you will mess out. At the end of your life, you'll be that prodigal. You'll be Samson. You'll be the rich young ruler. You'll be the Pharisee standing there holding nothing of eternal value. That's the direction the devil's trying to take you. Yet God is saying, no, no, focus on the kingdom. I don't, it doesn't matter to me if you're going to be a construction worker or if you're going to be some uh, in the professional world. That doesn't... That doesn't in, it really doesn't matter that much to me. What matters most to me today is that you convince yourself that above all, I'm going to live for the kingdom of God. That if, I am, if I'm not going to be a pastor, a missionary, an evangelist, a full-time Christian worker, a staff member, a, a Christian school teacher, if God's not going to use me in that capacity, I still am going to live for God first and foremost. That'll be my objective. May God help us understand this, that Christ is calling us to the kingdom. I'll not be a preacher in the millennial reign. There'll be no churches. There'll be one. It'll be the, it'll be, it'll be the temple set up in Jerusalem with a, with a Jewish system reestablished for a thousand years. We aren't going soul winning, knocking on doors in a thousand year reign. 
We aren't, we aren't coming in here for prayer meeting in the thousand year reign. We're ruling over kingdoms, over, over cities for God, and we're bringing that glory into Jerusalem where Jesus is sitting on the throne of David. It's, got, it's a completely different system. And what God is going to judge us on is not whether or not I've been a pastor or not. Whether or not I've fulfilled the work of the kingdom that he gave me. He's not going to judge me whether or not I've, uh, Brother Amakos, gone to Burma or not. If God's called you to go to Burma and you don't go, God will judge according to that in the kingdom. If God, wanted, if God wanted me to be a construction worker and, and come to my church and run a bus route and, and go soul winning on Saturdays and, and just do some basic work in the church, God will judge me according to whether or not I've been obedient to Him. Not to what I've thought is important to God, but to what God really sees as important. And surrendering to the kingdom of God is just letting God have control. Saying, Lord, I'm a, I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's what we're getting judged on in in the Bema Seat. Did you do what God asked you to do? Did you fulfill the work of the kingdom? Are you one of the members of the kingdom? Are you involved in this thing? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. So I want you to pray this. Thy kingdom come. Before daily bread, before forgiveness, before all the other things that we major on in our prayers, he said, I want you to pray that God's name would be glorified and that his kingdom would come. And that it would, his will would be done on earth as it's done in heaven. That's going to happen during the millennial reign. And afterwards, amen. <laughs> it's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. Are you focused on the kingdom or are you focused on your kingdom? Your bank account. Your future. Your plans. Your positions. And please understand, I am not trying to discourage a godly relationship. And at some point you're going to have to say I do. I'm not saying like, well, I'll never ever talk about that because I'm focused on the king. God adds those things to your life and they fit in place. By the way, when God does it, it's... When you do it, it's like pushing a square block. When God does it, it's just going, like God's just moving things along. He puts it all in place. You don't have to fight your leadership, spiritual leadership, godly authority in your life. When God does it, it's all, it's all honoring and it's glorifying and it's good. When you do it, there'll be a conflict the whole way. I mean, you've got to, if you're going to go into the devil, you're going to go to the world, you're going to go do the things of the world, you're going to have to do that all in your own power. But when you do the things for God, you can do it in His power and He adds everything good that you'll need. Everything. 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 Miraculously. It blows my mind how God's taking care of us in the ministry. It's amazing to what God's done. I just, I'm just a country preacher, just a little country church out in the middle of the woods of Pennsylvania. And, you know, I, I'm nobody bigger and important. You know what? God's allowed me to preach in, in, in other countries. God's allowed me to travel. God's allowed me to stand before many, many people and preach the gospel. Not because of me, but because he, he asked me, go. And I, I went. And when you focus on the kingdom, God adds everything that your heart could desire and more. He's good. He's good to his servants. So serve him. Serve him at the capacity he's asking you to serve in the kingdom. And I tell you, there's some things that the kingdom is not. 
the kingdom. But I don't have time really to go there this morning. I've, I've spent too much time building this. But Romans chapter 14, and, and you make note about this and look up verses 7 through 20 later. What the kingdom is not is it's not meat and drink. Did you hear me? Whole, whole, whole portion of Romans 14 is people arguing about what holy days to celebrate and what meat you could, could eat and couldn't eat and, and the whole uh, uh, problem with offering to idols and whatever else. And Paul's like, hey, the kingdom is not meat and drink. I wear a tie, amen. I have dress standards for myself and my girls and our church and, and all those things are right and good and true. Even in a world that's gone crazy, it's still right and good and true. But if that's your focus, you're not doing the kingdom. You're not righteous because of the position you hold. We're righteous because of the one we serve. It's our relationship with Christ that matters. Because a person could not have a relationship with God and yet have all the standards and be a Pharisee. It's the relationship with Christ that is essential. By the way, I think if you've got a relationship with Christ, He's going to make you dress different, talk different, act different, live different. I think God, with an internal relationship with Him, will lead you to be holy. Amen. And so, what, what, what is righteousness? Well, within that same text to Romans chapter 14, He said, righteousness is this. Or he said, rather, uh, the kingdom of God is this. It is righteousness. He said, what is righteousness? Doing right. Look up the definition. That's what it means. To be righteous literally means to do what is morally right. <laughs> it's that deep. As Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, do right till the stars fall. Let me challenge you to do right even after the stars fall. Do right. Do right. Do what's right in any given situation. And God will lead you into what's right if you'll be open to Him. Do right. It's righteousness. Do right by God. Do right by your fellow man. Not your own righteousness. Not not every man doing that which is right in his own eyes. But doing right by the command and order of God. This is the kingdom of God. Righteousness. And peace. Not a lot of peace in this world right now, is there? If the boys' dorm were following the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God would be peace in the boys' dorm. I don't know anything that's going on in there. Ladies, I'll go after you next. The ladies' dorm. Oh, my soul. When my sister was in there, I heard some stories about the girls' dorm. Wow. If, if the kingdom of God was the primary objective, would there be peace? I don't mean that you all agree about what everybody else has done, but could you make peace? In the same passage, you just pursue, seek after those things that make for peace. If God's people were truly led by the Lord, we would not only be doing what's right, but the effect of that doing what's right would be peace involved in that as well. And not only that, but he says in Romans chapter 14 also, he says the joy in the Holy Ghost, we'd be rejoicing people. You don't have to walk around with a long face. I know I'm given to that. I walk around with a grumpy face all the time. People say, smile, it's okay, it's not so bad. Well, really, I'm not so upset. It's just my face doesn't always show what's going on on the inside. But the truth is that we ought to be joyful people. Joy in the Holy Ghost. If we really had the presence of the Holy Ghost, if we were at peace with God, and we were righteous, we were doing what's right, we were living for the kingdom of God, our lives would be different. We might actually draw the world to Jesus. Walk around with a gloomy face, tenacious with everybody around you, always in an argument and a fight. No wonder nobody wants your God. But what could be different with the kingdom first, couldn't it? Let's stand our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we finish up this chapel hour. Heads bowed, eyes closed.
Hey, what's your primary objective this morning? God has arrested your thoughts, pulled you aside this morning, and questioned you and challenged you on this thought. What is your objective? What are you seeking after? Could you, could you honestly say in your heart that it's the kingdom of God and His righteousness? That's what I'm seeking. If not, this might be a great morning to readjust your focus. With whatever you do with your life, let it be the kingdom first. The kingdom. If God drives you into the jungles to seek out the heathen, let it be the kingdom first. If he puts you in the pulpit to preach the word, let it be the kingdom first. If God takes you into the secular field and makes you just a supporter of a great church, let it be the kingdom first. The kingdom and his righteousness. And what does that kingdom look like? It's not meat and drink. No, sir. It is righteousness. It is it is peace. It is joy in the Holy Ghost. Does that abide in you? Then let's make some adjustments this morning. Father, you've spoken to our hearts. You've used your word to effectively minister to us. And I know my heart has been stirred by this topic. I pray that someone else as well has been stirred to make sure that their life is lived for the kingdom of God. And, and Lord, maybe some, some student this morning has seen in their heart that their focus has been the wrong thing, that their objective is not God, is not a relationship with God, is not being right with God. It's some other thing that will be added if they serve you. God, help them to readjust that and put you back on the throne. Let them worship you and you alone, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As, as you-